0: Freaking this, this is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines
1: Studio. And Brooke you are. And Brooke you are. Now here are your hosts, Brock Huard and Mike Salk. And that's fire!
0: All right, yeah, big uh, Friday show today, talking to lots of our friends, starting now with Shannon Dreyer, who joins us from Peoria. Shannon, we get down later today. We can't wait. How are things?
1: <laughs> uh, it is a, a good spring training. It's one of those things where I think you have to kind of take a step back and – realize that uh, the sun is shining and everybody is at the very beginning of their season and everything looks great and realize there are kind of lenses that come with that and try and kind of peel away uh, the things that you might need to take a look at closer. But so far so good with this Mariners group. Uh, Some things look a little different here and there, which has been interesting, but um, all in all, great to be down here. Great to see this team get ready.
0: What looks different?
1: It was funny. It was, um, well, one of the things, you know, those big boards that they have in the hallways and the clubhouses that tell you everything that is going to happen, the schedule for the day, uh, they've been malfunctioning and not working. So we really haven't known up until um we go out in the field and we, we get a look at what the printed sheets are, what they're doing. So going into today, today is the last day before the games start. And usually on the last day, you'll see some sort of intra-squad game or you'll see some sort of uh, competition out there that the whole team is involved in. So I asked Scott today, hey, what are you doing today? And they're not doing any of that. He said, I think I know how this team is wired. So <laughs> I think, he, as he put it, um, there's been a little bit more intent in the work that they have been putting in. And it sounds like that Brant Brown, who um, I think you've probably heard of, he was brought in to be not just a bench coach, but also kind of an offensive strategist. He's a guy that's really going to help with approach. He has a, a great track record as a hitting coach. It sounds like that he has been leading a lot of the chalk talks. And, and uh, that is an interesting hire in the first place in that it was somebody from the outside we haven't really seen that in a couple of years. So uh, interesting that they are kind of, I think, stepping away from how they do things, that so they did look at it, and they are doing things a little bit differently. And I know a big part of that focus is to get off to a better start, uh, particularly in the month of May. And a lot of the things they talk about are focus and intent when it comes to that.
0: Any players stand out to you that uh, for, some, for any reason, really?
1: Well, we've talked. I think we've talked about Ty France. I think that that is the one where you lay eyes on it first and foremost. That is what you see right away. The starting five—they all look fantastic, which obviously is important, as the I think the season rests on their shoulders and arms quite quite a bit of it. We asked uh, Scott who stood out to him today, and Dominic Canzone was the first name out Mm -hmm. of his mouth, and it was both in what he's doing and how he looks that kind of it had kind of. Kind of the ring of J.P. Crawford when he first got here, he needs to get stronger. That was one of the things that they saw with him and that he showed up in a different shape and that they did see that. And uh, also how he's gone about his work. They have asked him to make uh, some little tweaks to his swing, and they like what they have seen from that so far. So uh, it's going to be an interesting mix. In the outfield, and that you've got two guys that are very young in their careers in the big leagues. And Canzone and Rayleigh, you've got Haniger, who you need to keep healthy. And if you do, you know Sky is kind of a limit for him offensively. And of course, Julio, that you just put out there. So, you know, to me, it's really of interest how they are going to use that outfield.
0: I'm really of all the people you could say. I mean, Canzone and Ty France are two players that could turn this lineup right, who, who turn of kind of could take it from being okay to maybe being better than that if you get. you know vintage Ty France if you get a Dominic Canzone breakout season how much better is this team
1: that's I mean you look back at last year and you know I think they're in the postseason if Ty had had a more typical Ty France season it's not hard to see that and coming into the year I'm really interested where he'll be in the batting order and will it be something like we saw with JP Crawford last year he started low and quickly moved up higher in the order And you get Ty France back, and that's another bat that you get back. And not only a bat that you get back, but an everyday bat. We talk about the guys that we have the questions about the health with. Ty France plays every day. And uh, I think that that is important. I think that they need that, you know, in the spots where where you can have that. And I think Dom Canzone has a little bit of that wild card factor. And talking to different people in the organization, there are some that think that offensively he has a very – high ceiling we of course saw you know the power potential there hitting one off the hit it here last year but um you know he he does he has very little big league experience and he did take some lumps last year. He also was dealing with some lower body injuries, which I think explains a little bit what we saw on the bases and perhaps a little bit in the outfield. I don't think he's going to ever be a plus outfielder, but I think he can be better than what we saw. So, yeah, you, you, need, you need to keep guys healthy, and you always need that surprise. You need that guy to take that step forward, and he's a possibility.
0: you getting a sense um, for the leadership structure in that clubhouse and what that might look like?
1: I think it's pretty good. I mean, it was good last year and you of course lost Gino, which hurts a little bit, but it's something that JP has taken on and something he's very comfortable with. You know, he's been outspoken about wanting to be a leader and wanting this to be his team. And uh, he absolutely lives up to that. Uh, You bring in both of the Mitches, Mitch Garver had a reputation for that in Texas. He came up through the Twins organization. It's, you know, solid upbringing is what I would call that. So, And he hasn't been shy either. He's been hanging with the catchers a lot, and he did um, set up kind of a competition with a little bit of wagering, I believe, between all of the catchers in camp. And that's kind of a, a leadership thing right there. So that was good to see. Hanniger is Hanniger. You know, you can't help but look at him and see leadership. And the interesting thing for me was in talking to him, he realizes that he wants to be the guy that doesn't just wait for players to come to camp. He wants to make himself available. But he said, I'm to the point in my career where I want to initiate conversations. As well. So I don't think there is going to be a lack of leadership on the team. The one area that I was a tiny bit concerned about is on the pitching side. He mm-hmm. blocks a lot of veteran. And while I look at Luis Castillo and I don't really see him as an outward leader type, talk to the pitchers. He helps out quite a bit. So, I'll be interested to see how that evolves. And that might be the one area where they need a little bit of help.
0: Oh, he's the big cheese, right? As we, as we learned, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, we learned about the, the various uh, <laughs> cheese personalities there in the, uh, in the, in this uh, starting rotation. I actually want to ask you about a guy who's not text technically in the starting rotation, but may end up being a very important piece of this team. And that is Emerson Hancock. I know he was on with Wyman and Bob yesterday. How, what has been your early impression in the conversation around the guy who figures to be their number six starter?
1: Well, he's critical because he is going to come into play at some point. They're not going to go through the whole season with every starter making every start, and what you have coming up next on a team that uh, really leans on its pitching is is very important. And uh, I think that what we have seen and what others in the organization have seen, I think, is probably a little comforting in that. I think he's probably done a lot of growing in the last couple of years. And I know that there were questions uh, about his health because he's had, you know, kind of a, a spotty history throughout the minors. And I think that that's one of the big reasons why he's here. You know, he had, he, you know, just held on to his normal prospect status without the, the nagging injuries would have been a huge trade target. But I think that the little buyer be aware with some other teams because consistency in being out on the field is, has not been something that he's been able to do. Uh, he looks like he's in great shape. He seems, um, you know, he got a taste of the majors last year. And so I think a, a, a tiny bit of that, the awe of that, is out of the way. And uh, he is somebody that uh, you know, I just I think that if you were watching this team in spring training, uh, probably very critical to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. I think it's important that, that he show well this spring so you have confidence that he's ready to go when they need him.
0: Sounds pretty good. I, I'm, we're excited. Justin and I are flying down today. Moore's flying down tomorrow. Brock will be there, I think, later this weekend and uh, we'll be uh, bothering you for uh, for the next week or so. We can't wait to do That's one of our favorite things to do.
1: <laughs> I'm ready. And I think as Justin told you, guys, or maybe it was Lefko told the afternoon show, plenty of room at the house.
0: Yeah, I heard it's so huge. Nobody,
1: nobody's going to get underfoot, which is great. Um, I'm, I'm sorry Kyle Brown is not coming down because there's a wonderful, huge, and just high-tech washer and dryer. Really? We should have an epic laundry night oh, here, wow. I think. You know, yeah, Shannon, I may true. come stay
0: at the house then, just for that. I, I've been sort of trying to figure out whether I'm going to stay with my parents or stay with you guys. Maybe bounce back and forth. But now that I know there's that kind of laundry facility, that may that may affect my uh, my decision making. That's important info. Still
1: so one of my favorite moments at the station was watching you and Kyle fold laundry one night during spring training.
0: Yeah, and the next year, and I think the year after that as well. Shannon, we love you. We'll see you. Uh, we'll see you this weekend, and can't wait for next week you got it. All right, there you go. There's Shannon Dreyer uh who is just the best our Mariners insider and giving you the uh the scoop from spring training which uh, we'll be able to provide ourselves next week and I'm sure Shannon will uh, pop by pretty often during that week as well. All right. Uh quick break here, kind of collect ourselves uh, and prepare for need to know and then some time with G Scott which is exhausting. So I really I need to like build up my strength Gird my loins, as the Gras used to say, and uh, get myself ready for G coming up in 20 minutes. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710 and the Seattle Sports app. Need to know. 15
1: minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk.
0: Here's what you need to know. Up first. Yeah, interesting move the Seahawks made yesterday with Geno Smith as they make some changes to his contract. They were able to do a contractualist, so they didn't even need to consult him. It wasn't like an agreement thing. It was already in the contract. They convert a $9.6 million roster bonus, which had been due next month. It becomes a signing bonus, which, again, he gets the same money either way, but it means that they spread that cap hit over two years instead of taking all of it this year so obviously hurts or helps them this year hurts them a little bit next year compared to what they were expecting John Schneider on with Wyman and Bob yesterday with the details
2: it's actually part of the negotiation when, when we do these deals and it's just a it's a trigger that's in there it's a roster bonus that's converted to signing bonus so a roster bonus it's just a cap uh like for cap purposes you could take a roster bonus. We can, and there's language in the contract. We convert to a signing bonus, and then it's spread out over the duration of the contract. So that creates more capital for us. You know, we can. You know, we did this. You know, big, you know, negotiation convert roster bonus to signing bonus. You know, Matt Thomas does a really nice job of working that in as an option for us throughout the process, so that at any given time, if we feel the need, we can move that into signing bonus and and, and create more capital.
0: Yeah, and some of that makes sense given, you know, whatever they're going to end up doing with Jamal Adams. I think they're going to cut him. I think they should cut him. But they're going to take a hit there this year that will get better next year. Well... Maybe that's a reason to try to save almost five million dollars this season and see, uh, you know, push that on to next year when that Jamal money goes away. Maybe the same for Will Disley. And we'll see what ends up happening with Tyler Lockett. Those are sort of the three big candidates for them to try to help themselves cap wise and try to right side this roster uh, before the season begins also from schneider yesterday yes they do have all 15 of their coaches hired he uh spoke to where they're at in that process it's
2: exciting you know it's different different ideas and different um philosophies all mixed together so everybody's coming together they're now they're getting to a point where it's going to be all ball now so you know they're just they're just focused on focused on implementing their systems so they're not going to be going down to the uh, combine next week they're all going to be here just you know 24/7 installing everything you need to get installed it's basically a race till April 8th when the players come in and you know Mike had coached in the, in the you know, AFC Championship game so there's a little bit of a feeling that you know behind the eight ball a little bit so getting caught up but still staying true to his hiring process and and the group that's come in so um just mixing all those people together but yeah it's it's exciting but yes we do need name tags
0: it's funny uh you know just not going to the combine it hurts it's a bummer i'm sure for the networking element and also just to get those guys opinions on players that might be coming in and available on the other hand yeah They're a little behind the eight ball, and they got to install the offense and defense. So that seems like a pretty good top priority, and I'm glad to see they'll be getting that done. Here's the second thing you need to know. As you heard from Shannon, kind of all things normal at spring training right now as they get ready for their first game tomorrow. A couple hitters taking some live at-bats yesterday against starting pitchers. Yeah, I'm still watching the third base situation and trying to figure out whether or not the Mariners will be comfortable heading into the season with Urias and Rojas splitting time at third base. There were other options that they could have gone down, right? They, there are other roads they could have, could have gone down. They could have kept Gino Suarez so we'll follow Gino's uh, season they could have gone with uh, Gio Urshela who signed yesterday for just a million five in Detroit might have been another option Uh, and of course the looming prospect of Matt Chapman John Morosi brought him up yesterday Chapman is clearly someone they like they were in the same division as him for a long time his market has not at all been what he and Boris expected in my estimation with with Chapman the Giants are still there as a possibility. There's the connection to Bob Melvin going back to Oakland. That would be a good fit for Matt. But if if the price comes down far enough, and that's the big if, and it's impossible to know, I wish I had right now in front of me a stock ticker that told me exactly where the price was. I don't. Uh, but that to me is is the piece that we're all wondering about is if it gets down to one year incentive-laden, and then maybe the Mariners circle around because there's a lot, I think, for the Mariners to work through. But they, from what I can tell, they have a chance. Yeah, there's that's interesting, right? So Toronto kind of out of it now, right? He doesn't mention the Yankees, doesn't mention the Cubs, and still the belief that they'll sign Bellinger. The only team he mentions are the Giants. Well, guess what? If you're competing against teams on a one-year deal you got a better shot against the Giants than you do against almost anybody else the whole ballpark factor kind of is, is evened out because hitting in that ballpark is just as hard as it is to hit at T-Mobile so plus you're a better team than San Francisco is and you don't play in a division with the, with the Dodgers so if I'm, if I'm Matt Chapman and those are the two choices that I have that's a no brainer I'm going to come to Seattle rather than go into San Francisco that seems actually pretty easy Here's the third thing you need to know. Oh, what an awesome game for the Kraken yesterday. They get things done. One of the better games they've played. They get two from Jordan Everly, one from McCann, one from Dunn. The game winner from Justin Schultz. Hoaglander for Vancouver. It pops out. Tatar can't get it. But here's Everly. Broken up by Souter. Dumoulin. Schultz.
2: He scores! Justin Schultz! He'll find 631 left in period 2 3-2 Seattle
0: Yeah, really good call from John Forslund of course and yeah, they didn't start off that game all that well. Got uh, down by a goal and then came roaring back and really carried play for a huge portion of the game. Really good effort against a very good Canucks team and a big, big night for the Cougs as well. They win, but not just win, on the road in Arizona. 2.7 seconds to go, Arizona down by three. No timeout, here we go, last chance. Trying to
2: stay perfect on their home court. Here's Boswell, running out of time. Love gets it off, off the front of the rim, and the Cougars hold on. The biggest win of Kyle Smith's head coaching career at Washington State,
0: and they end the streak. Arizona no longer perfect at home. Yeah, how about that? Uh, Unbelievable night for the Cougs. They knock off number four, Arizona. All right, that's everything you need to know. Uh, we do it every hour, quarter past the hour. I got a whole bunch of texts here. Let's see. Uh Salk, that's an abysmal take. There is no zero chance. Chapman signs a one year deal to hit in T-Mobile. no way. although yes, San Francisco's even worse offensively good point, Mike Oh, so you get a little of both from uh, from the 209 there. Look, <laughs> I, there, there is a chance. Is it a zero chance? No? Is it a hundred? No. There aren't that many options left for him. Is it this worth isn't exploring a le- and thinking about? Yeah, yes. A- absolutely. I, I'm I'm very, yeah. Uh, LOL calling it a game winner when they score two more after. Yeah, it's just how they That's just how they say it in hockey. Like when you score the one that puts you ahead for good, they call it the game-winning goal. So it's just how that goes. And then uh, where did the other one go? Oh, Salk from Dan D. If the M stay healthy, if tie is tie, if Dominic has a breakout season, if the young bullpen steps up, too many ifs. Another crappy season for the Mariners incoming. All right, I don't know. Guess he figured it out. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get that. I understand that. Crappy season. I mean, they won 88 games last year. They made the playoffs the year before. Crappy season feels a little much, but I understand the frustration. I understand the narrative and kind of the reason to go a little a little negative on where they are. I'm not mad at that. But I got news for you. 30 teams have ifs. That's what you were at at spring training. You don't know what all the players are going to do. Yeah, every team has to stay healthy. Every team has a player like Ty France that they need to sort of return to form. Every team is looking for somebody to have a breakout season. Every team is hoping that their bullpen is good because no one knows what it's going to be from year to year. Every team has ifs. The Dodgers have fewer of them, and they have some higher upside, right? Like, I'm not saying the Mariners are the best team in baseball, but it's it's February 23rd. Everybody's got ifs. There's no guarantees in baseball. Even if you have Mike Trout, even if you have Shohei Otani, even if you have Ronald Acuna, no matter what, everybody's got ifs. That's what makes this time of year kind of fun, is trying to figure out what's going to happen and nobody knows. We're hoping. Wouldn't play if if there are no ifs. It's the only way to, it's the only thing you can do right now. Mm -hmm. There are no knowns. All right, G Scott, here's one thing I do know. If G Scott comes in here next, I will probably laugh and also be a little annoyed. It's all coming up next. Brock and Salk Seattle Sports on 710seattlesports.com. This, this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10.
2: On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports
0: Lab. Feel good on a Friday. Doesn't that doesn't that music kind of get you in the mood for the weekend to come? Well, you're not, You can't hear anything over there. Oh, gee, can't hear anything. His his might his uh, headphones are all messed up. It happens. Oh my gosh! Aren't you a professional radio host? Don't you know how to work all these things? He didn't know what he's doing. He's grabbing other headphones. Justin's trying to fix things. We got you now. Are you here with us? Do we have you? Come on, man. I thought I was being sabotaged. You know what I'm saying?
3: I thought I thought that some of our discussions. By the way, real quick, yeah. I know Wait, that this who would you think on the which one
0: of us would sabotage you? Yeah, who do you think would sabotage you?
3: You know, the thing is, is of everyone on the Brock and Salk show, you think Justin, it was Charles? Justin, Mara, Charles is here hanging out. No, Charles is very nice.
0: I know. So, you don't nice think Charles would, would sabotage you? No.
3: Every, y'all ever watch a Lifetime movie and then at the very end you no. find out, oh, I, well, so all of my brothers and sisters that do, at the very end you find out, oh my goodness, they were the killer all along. Ah. Uh, Everybody always gives Mara a
0: pass. That's every time. That's what I was going to say. You know oh, what I'm I saying? Think, uh, if Carl Salk <laughs> would pick me first, yeah, No. I, I had you picked here. <laughs> it's not Justin. Justin is actually that nice. Right. Thank you. Like, like, Justin like, would be the one that would surprise everyone. Nope. Like, like
3: Mara, Mara will hi. Mm-hmm. How are you doing? And be cutting you in her mind. Totally true, right? Yes, that's Mara. She's so underhanded. No doubt about it. I blatantly
1: it. cut sulk every day.
0: That's true. That that part's accurate. Yeah. yeah, she doesn't. She's not subtle about that at all. She's not surreptitious. She just comes right out and is mean to me. Well, for, you know, usually I come on the show. Everyone's right? been mean to me recently, G. Yeah,
3: that's a good thing. I usually come on the show. And I usually have things that I want to talk about. Yeah. But I want to use this time to see because a lot of times, you know, what I'm going to talk about, it doesn't matter. It's what your listeners. What is your listeners? What do they want to talk about these days? Well, I think What's some there is
0: a group of them that would really like to talk about the Wazoo basketball team. They're very fired First up place. about it. How about that? Go
3: Cougs! Yes, go! Beat Arizona beat twice last night. Now yeah. beat Arizona on the road. Yo, shout out to them, Cougs, that are playing basketball. They're number one in the Pac-12 right now. This is fantastic, phenomenal. Nobody saw it coming. By the way, what's going on with UW basketball and what has been going on for years with yeah. that? But anyways, uh, I was just talking, talking to Tom Hutler about it. Uh, it is phenomenal yeah. what's going on with the cool, Cool story. Yeah.
0: So some of them want to talk about that. Okay. Uh, a lot of them are very upset with me uh, for continuing to push the idea of exploring a trade for DK Metcalf. They mad at you? They're very upset for, they, for a bunch of different reasons. What are they mad at? Well, it depends. I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth, but there's a lot. there's a few different buckets of being mad there's a group that's mad because they think i hate dk metcalf okay and and they're wrong they're I, just flat wrong
3: i'll, I'll l- let me just say this mike salk does not hate dk metcalf i know that i'd tell you if he did go ahead I,
0: I think he's a phenomenal football player and if he stays here next year which he probably will yeah he'll be a great player like i i think the world of dk metcalf is a football player right. no problems there there is a group that thinks you wouldn't get that much for him, mm-hmm. and I disagree with them. And talking to Daniel Jeremiah today, he didn't think a first-round pick plus was out of the question at all, agreed with me that Indy would be a pretty good fit, added uh, Pittsburgh as a possibility, and you probably wouldn't trade him in the division, but he even mentioned uh, Arizona yeah. as another place that DK would fit. I think you could get a first-round pick plus for DK Metcalf.
3: Easy. Well, let me say that. Yes, you can. Right. You can get a first-round draft pick for DK. Go ahead. There's a
0: group that thinks you won't save much on the cap, and they're right as well. I don't pretend to be any cap genius, mm-hmm. but I, I believe them when they kind of go through it all. But my argument's not so much about the cap. It's more about trying to right-side the roster. Mm-hmm. And when I look at, at the at the Seahawks and I see that three of their top eight cap figure guys yeah. are safeties. Mm. Three. Most teams don't even have three safeties. Yeah. Three yeah. of their top eight are safeties. Two of them are wide receivers, DK and, and Tyler. Tyler. And I know something will probably get done with Tyler here but as the as the offseason moves on. Either he won't be here or he'll be here in a lower contract. And yeah. we'll see where all of that goes. Yeah. Um one of them is Will Disley. Eight that, million dollars. That, that kind of hurts. That's not what you're looking for in the top of your of your cap world. Yeah, and then the other two are are Gino and, and Dre Jones. And you know, look, when you're sort of middle of the pack in terms of paying your quarterback, you shouldn't be in a spot where the salary cap is even a concern to you, right? Until you've signed three safeties. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so you got to right side that roster. The roster is built, I think, a little bit backwards. Mm-hmm. And if you want to change that. There aren't that many players you can trade with significant value to try to switch it. DK's the one. One of my favorite things
3: to do is to go around the world and tell people how wrong I think Mike Salk is. <laughs> right? Yes. And I, I take shelter pr- from the rafters. Yeah, I take pride in that. Now, I want to be very transparent. When I saw you on social media mm. and I saw the uh, write-up that you had wrote, the column on it, I thought, this dude, what? And I saw all of the flack Mm. that you were getting on social media. And I was like, good, good for them giving him flack. And then, and then um, I talked to some people that were smarter than me in this game of football. And they said to me, Mike Sox actually not wrong in what he's saying. He's not wrong for the standpoint of the value and what you can get for DK Metcalf and I said oh okay so I listened to that point so while I'll say this for everyone that thought Mike Salk's assessment of that was wrong I'd say I'm on his side as far as understanding the value and what you could get for for DK not decaf but I would not make that move because I believe that DK is the most dominant wide receiver in the game of football right now. Wow. That's pretty. That's a pretty big statement. And, and, I, and I say that because last season he was incredible. Last season he played way better than I ever thought that I'd see him. So while I don't disagree with why you were saying it and has nothing to do with personal – I just don't think the Seahawks will do it because there's going to be a long time before the Seahawks ever have Mm -hmm. another DK Metcalf at wide receiver. The dude was that dominant, and he's going to be dominant probably. Like, these next three to four years for DK are going to be insane. And what we saw last year out of DK, we actually saw him realize, oh, I'm bigger, stronger, Faster than you. I can do whatever I want. So last season, we got to see that out of him. There's no way, no way in the world that John Schneider is going to trade that away. Because if he does trade that away, we Seahawks fans are going to be like, all right, I want to see the next person. Now, Mm -hmm. your next point, and there's people that are listening, and I know you're saying it, and you're wondering if I'm going to bring it up. But gee, they drafted a receiver last year. Mm hmm. In Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. You guys know, I think, the world of Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. No doubt about it. Y'all, Jackson, Smith, and Jigba and DK Metcalf, right now, it's not close. DK Metcalf is the most of dominant. Course. Yeah, he's,
0: I- of course. So, but here here's the problem I think you run into. I think it's really hard to build a roster where you're going to pay DK Metcalf that kind of money. Which in and of itself, none of these things are in and of themselves a problem. But doing all of them together, I think, is a problem. you got a discount on your quarterback, you, you, though. You, 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 well, still, but you're still paying him now. He's their third highest cap guy on your team. But he's, he's not in the top five. Exactly. But he's not on a rookie deal or anything like that. Like, you're now paying him a significant amount, even if it's not, you know, top tier. You're paying your quarterback some money. You're paying DK a lot of money and you've drafted in the first round a wide receiver and two running backs in the second round. That's five, and, and not to mention the money you've put into Will Disley. I know that's going to start to go away. Mm. But the other five things aren't going away. Mm. That, that's too many resources put into skill position players on your team. You had great groceries. You still have great groceries.
3: You just need a better cook. And I think Ryan Grubb comes in here and cooks these groceries a lot better right now. I think right right now, if you go out there and you give Ryan Grubb these
0: groceries right here, he's going to make a very Man, I, good I, day. I really, really hope you're right, and I'm not. This it's not that I don't believe Ryan Grubb can do that. I think he will probably be an upgrade, but I got some real concerns about that offensive line, Fair. especially on the interior. And I think you can scheme up the world's most incredible play. And when the defensive tackle walks right by your center guard hole, walks yeah. right into the A-gap, yeah. and blows up the quarterback yeah. before he can do anything, it doesn't matter what your pretty paper looks like because there's no play. Look here.
3: every t- Everybody has some part of their body or their offense that they aren't very comfortable with, right? <laughs> True. I'm a good-looking man, but I got a little stomach. You know what I mean? And with this – so what I'm saying is with the offensive line, let's talk about what the Seahawks do have. They do have a phenomenal wide receiver core. They do have a run game that maybe underperformed last season, but in a run game that we believe is expected to do better than what it did last season. And they do have pillars on those uh, the offensive tackles that are really good and they're really young. No doubt about it. When I talk about my little belly – I talk about the interior of the <laughs> offensive line all the time. We always have something that we might not like. Now, you yourself, you're listening. You're like, yeah, gee, I got some things I don't like. I mean, my hairline is this, and we
0: can always talk about what's bad. Let's talk about what's good. Well, yeah, I, I just I, here's the only problem: mm. your stomach's not that big a deal because of where it is. If your stomach was on your face, you'd have a bigger problem. I mean, right? so, if you're if your big problem with yourself wasn't your stomach, but it was your face, you'd be like, ah, darn. No, like that's a, That's kind of a big issue. That's but really if, holding me back.
3: But if my face was a problem and I my stomach was good, I just take my damn shirt off. Mm, yeah, there's a lot of people on Instagram. Right. Yeah. That just sh- take the shirt but, off.
0: You'd be a butterface, and You'd be OK with that. You know
3: what I'm saying? Or they show their backside. You know what I mean? Like, oh, my face ain't good looking, but I'm
0: just going to show this. Still, so- all right. I I, I think that all right, maybe maybe my, my analogy isn't quite. Uh, yeah, it was off. I can't quite get there with the face versus stomach part of it. Fair. I just think if you're going to have a hole and you're going to have something that you you don't love, mm-hmm. I'm more comfortable with that being at wide receiver than yeah. I am having it be up I, front. Have a, I have another, and, pr- and I'm biased because I watched the Seahawks win a Super Bowl without putting a ton of resources into their wide receivers. They were good. and Doug's I'm- a great player. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't DK, Tyler, JSN. Yeah, I have another point for you. Pretty good offensive line. I have
3: another point for you. What is it? Ryan Grubb, I would assume, reaches out to DK Metcalf. hmm And he says, DK, listen to me, listen to me good. You come in this offense, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to probably possibly get close to 2,000 uh, yards next season. Did you see what I just did at UW? hmm Did you see how wide open – that my wide receivers were. Did you see my run game and how Dylan Johnson came to the forefront right. when nobody was saying Dylan Johnson's name the year before? Yeah. But when I came over and took over this offense, as a matter of fact, DK, I was getting ready to leave to Alabama before I was going to leave, and you,
0: Dub, gave me more money. You're getting me excited. And, I look, I, I you could be right. Mm. DK could have an unbelievable year. I, I, and I know that when he does, people are going to be like, sea Salk, and I'm going to be mm. like – yeah, I, I I agree. Of course, DK is capable of having unbelievable years. He's one of the most talented players in the league. The question isn't can DK have a great year. Nope. The question is can he have a great year and the team continue to get better and and make the playoffs and be a championship mm-hmm. contender. I'm not sitting here telling you DK Metcalf can't be awesome. He can be. He already is. Yeah. Fantastic player. Mm-hmm. And maybe he'll get even better in this in this uh, in this new scheme. The Seahawks team, But are they going to get significantly better? No doubt. But in this case,
3: and I know you guys get tired of my analogies, but it's just so that you guys can understand. Right now, the Seahawks is built this way. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people out here that make great money, but they got bad credit. And what I mean by that is this. The Seahawks on offense, they make good money. They mm-hmm. have the potential to make great money. But on the defensive side of things, the credit's bad, right? They can't keep the money. They keep allowing all of these things and these problems to happen. They
0: can't get on score.
3: I don't care. There you go. (laughs) I don't care how much money you make. This Mm. is a real-life lesson, everybody. I don't care how much money you make. It's all about how much money you keep. The Seahawks, this this team, has been pretty good on offense. No doubt about it. What we saw last season was a hole in a boat. We saw a real hole in the boat where, like, every time things were going great, you couldn't figure out, well, how come there's water keep coming in the boat? Because it's a damn hole in the boat. The defense was ranked 31st in stopping the run last season. They were ranked 30th the year before. That cannot happen. That's why Mike McDonald is a new head coach. They're going to come in. They're going to play better defense. They're going to get that together. And speaking of defense, you want to talk about changes. Oh mm. Lord. Yeah. Y'all, y'all ready for this? It's about to be some real. Look, y'all, that defense is not going to underperform this season <sighs> the way that it did last season. Better not. And there's a lot of folks uh, that going to have to have better seasons. And I think just because you were the starter, let me see, this has been important. Just because you were the starter before, don't mean that you're going to be the starter again. Mm. Mike McDonald ain't coming in playing that. Do you
0: think Jamal Adams here next year? No, hell no. <laughs> no. That's what I think too. But I mean, it's funny to hear you no. say it. Oh, no. Wait, does anybody think he is? Uh, I think there are people who Brock asked me the other day if I if I were in charge, would I consider like a. Like a lower number for him Like getting him back and I was like no I think it's just time To move on just just move along Just just start over there and just Just erase One of the worst trades of all time And just like move on and 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 start anew Mm -hmm. Uh, those Coaches are getting together now starting to figure Out their offense their defense what that Could look like they're not going to The combine instead they're going to stay here John Schneider saying that yesterday with Wyman and
3: Bob I love it Uh, they Don't need to go to the combine as a matter of in fact, there's a team inside of the NFC West division by the name of the L.A. Rams. Uh, their coaches don't go to the combine either. <laughs> 2020 was the last time that they went to the draft. Uh, Sean McVay basically said he and the GM was like, mm, we don't need to go to those things. We actually – this is the reason why they pick up Puka Nakua and he has the season that he has. They believe in analytics. They believe in watching film. And they believe that watching everybody in their underwear in a few days does not make the magic happen. I love the fact that Mike McDonald and his staff is going to stay here. John Snyder and his staff, they will be there at the Combine, right? But what happens at those Combines, right? What does happen at those Combines? Here's the number one thing that happens at Combines. Sure, we the fans find out who's fast. And just because you fast doesn't equate to how much a great of a player you're going to be. Another thing that happens at the Combines is uh, that's usually the tampering time for free agency. <laughs> that's when agents go there and find out. Because, you know, free agency is coming up mm-hmm. a few days, like less than 10 days after the Combine. So agents go there and they tamper. And they find out, are oh, you going to take my guy? Are you going to take my guy? What's up with that? That happens. Another thing that happens at the Combine is coaches <laughs> go there to meet other coaches. By the way,
0: I'm loving the idea of some of the like power agents having a conversation like, you going to take my guy? What's up? Like, it's just a funny, it's a funny way of like, you're sort of like they're undercover while they're saying it is funny. It's literally how it happens. <laughs>
3: it's, funny. It's, it's literally how it happens. Uh, I, now, I'm not saying to the combine that Jerry Jones is the whole motor home thing. Mm-hmm. If that happens, you can look that up when you get oh, a chance. Um, but, when it, but when it comes to the combine, I think that Mike McDonald and his staff, I think it's important to be over in Renton taking care of business. You know that systems have to be put in place, and that culture, what's going to happen inside of that building, has to be ready. So I love the fact that they're going to be there, home. They don't need to be in Indianapolis.
0: Cool. I love it. Yeah. Sounds good. Uh, can I ask, where, where's what's up with Betsy these days? Betsy's still doing great, Gee, Thanks for asking. I, I
3: haven't asked about Just, Betsy. Justin's inter- about
0: to spend 10 days away from her.
3: Oh, that's right. Y'all uh, leaving. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, Justin's about training.
0: to spend a week at spring training and then uh, go to Bakersfield with his dad. you go see some car races in Bakersfield. Yeah, so uh, you'll not, see Betsy again, I'll what, be back April? on the... S- <laughs> April 2nd, 3rd. You know, the the third, next weekend, like that. she's gone. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So, yeah. so there you go. Jeez. They might hang out together in mid to late March. So I want to make sure I got the
3: <laughs> – people are going to be listening to the Brock and Salk show next week. You guys are leaving today. I want to know about the living arrangement. So is it going to be Mike Salk, Brock Heward, Mar Dooley, and Justin all in the same crib? Just
0: bunk beds, yeah. Yeah. Bunk beds. Cots, really.
3: <laughs> I mean <laughs> – Sleeping bags. Yeah. I just want to know who, who wakes up early? Who, who wakes up first?
1: Well, we all do for yeah,
0: this yeah, show. Yeah, we kind of have to. Yeah, yeah that's, that's well, So we said we're going to be waking up an hour later, though, while we're there. I'll tell oh, you yeah, that much. Yeah, yeah, we have a little time change while we're there, like which is nice. Okay. All right, good. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm i staying with my parents. Brock stays with his in-laws. Justin and Moore will be with, uh, with Shannon at the uh, 710 house. I may make my way over there for a little while as well. Brock, there's no way Brock will stay with us. He will, I mean, he would, Brock would rather die than stay with us. There's well, no chance. Can you, can Let's you, have an hour each way can, to can not you, stay with us. Can you guys tell us why Brock wouldn't stay with you? What do you think it is? No, I don't know. I don't <laughs> know why. I, you'd have to ask him that. I don't know why he has been
3: to a lot of spring training
0: for <laughs> them. Um, because his in-laws are there. That's all. I've stayed with Brock. Brock and I have shared hotel rooms and stuff in the past. We've done mm-hmm. just fine. But I, uh, yeah, at spring training, he stays with his in-laws. The bigger question is why does he stay with his in-laws and not his parents? I don't know the answer to that one. But that's uh, that's one you'd have the, to ask. The
3: thing is, is I have to ask him that. If I went to Arizona with you guys, the there's no way I could stay with you guys. Why? Because when you stay with someone on vacation, that's when you get to really know the real thing. Don't you think that would be great? Like Justin Dude. Are you going to put the toilet seat down? That's nasty. Oh, I'm the
0: cleanest roommate. You,
3: you,
1: well, G wants us to wash our plate before we have seconds of dinner. Oh, yeah,
3: that's really weird. Yeah, it, right. And
0: then that's I, a you thing.
3: And then one of y'all go wake up really early, no, and then not use this crew. The, and use the bathroom. And I can't go oh, in there no just, more. You're not gonna be this the one crew. that's on red alert. You told us last <laughs> yeah. time. No, not this crew. <laughs> I think
0: red. you got the wrong group. Code red. That was what it was. I think we're pretty good roommates as a group. Would be my guess. Uh, I mean, Maura lives by herself. Justin, yeah. you know, he and Betsy are essentially roommates because they never see each other. Yeah. And uh, Heather and I. I mean, I I try to practice being a great roommate. I think it's the you, key to marriage. You got. I will say this. Am I? I don't know if I'm allowed to say it, but uh, people, let me just say this. If you
3: guys have an opinion about Mike Salk in the morning time, totally understand. I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with but you. But I, I want to tell you this. There is a different Mike Salk after 8 p.m. <laughs> yeah. That you guys would love. True. No, no, no. Justin, am I lying? No, he, Ma- he's very fun. You guys, I'm telling you, if this side of Mike Salk, you guys would love this side. Like, I'm not...
0: I have have evidence. I invited them to our Christmas party this year, and there's a lot of my buddies who are big sports fans who listen to the show are like, I have never liked him or thought he was nice outside of the show because it's a kid. It's It's very nice on the show. It's
3: actually my favorite Mike (sighs) All
0: right, that's enough. I got a bunch of texts from Matt in Oregon. Morris fingers are built for strangling people. I'm just saying. (laughs) Gee, you don't tell people when you think is wrong. You just point out all the times he is wrong, big Difference. Thank you, Matt. And then also, Salk has an issue with his hairline. It's the fact that it only stops at the soles of his feet. All right. You know what, Matt, take point. the rest of the day off. We're done. I'm done with you today. That's that is that, that says, goes too far. Lifetime movie, huh? Very Irish. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, that's somebody else. Yo, I watched it. Oh,
3: by the way, that is my thing.
0: We gotta I, go. We gotta go.
3: Well, I thought people want to know about I do like lifetime movies. You and, do? And I watched one yesterday. It was just I t- I don't even remember the name, but it was so bad. The acting was so bad in it, but I was so <laughs> consumed because I had to find out who did it in the end. And I found out. I said, yep, yep, I kind of figured it was her. I knew she has kind of something to do with it. But, man, them Lifetime movies, man, that'd be sucking me in, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, he's G.
0: Scott. Love he's going to be over with Ursula coming up in a few minutes over G. and Ursula on 97.3 Kyra News Radio. We'll be right back with Stacey Rost on CLSports, 710 Salesports.com. CL